Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. My name is Aaron DeMaster. I'm the pastor here. Uh, as I say every Sunday, you're in for a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We like to say we do here what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than the other churches in the area, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here and want to guide and encourage you in your weekly walk with Him. Today, we're kicking off a, a series that we're calling Bold. We're going to be studying through this book of Acts and see how people who followed Jesus had this newfound confidence in the ways of God. And it provoked them to make bold moves to not only deepen their faith, but also help them have boldness to contribute to the explosive growth of the first church. And today, we hope God creates this newfound confidence in your faith from this series and also helps you contribute and grow God's church today. So, when you think of bold, what do you think of? Like bold, what do you think of with bold? There's a quote from a movie that always comes to mind for me, and maybe I'm dating myself a little bit. It's like from the 2000s. It's called Dodgeball. Anybody seen it? There's a quote in this video that like my friends used to say it. I don't know if other people know it, um, but here's the clip of it. Check it out. Yes, no, I'm being told that average Joes does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Has anybody heard that quote before? Okay, two people. Great. Uh, well, I guess you got to stick with me for another minute or two on this. I wanted to make sure I understood this. It wasn't like some dirty saying or awkward saying or anything like that. But it's a statement to allude to a risky move, right? Here are a few examples of memes people have done with it. Keeping the credit card after a scam. That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. How about this one? He's decided to waive his home inspection and his home purchase. That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Or how about this one? He has decided to hit snooze again. That's a bold move, Cotton. Now, for real, what is bold, right? What is bold? Is it making a statement in clothing like this? Kip Jones, rocking a kilt. <laughs> is it making a statement with a hairstyle like this? This is me with some sun in when I was a kid. Do you remember sun in? Anybody remember sun in the spray? Who remembers sun in? Okay. Uh, I grew up in the 90s, so like that was, this was it. This was it. But I must have missed something because if we go back to the bottle, it's all females. How did I not see this? It was a bold statement of me, I guess. Maybe bold to you is doing a risky dance move. Maybe it's saying something direct. Maybe it's doing something that's just kind of out there in a sense. The definition of bold is this. It's showing the ability to take risks, confident and courageous. For me and how I want us to think about bold for this series is being bold or boldness is your behavior born out of belief. Behavior born out of belief. Boldness is your behavior born out of belief. I mean, it's so true, right? You're confident because you like or believe in the style or move or action. You're willing to take a risk because you believe it to be right. You're willing to be direct because your belief tells you it's true. 
Boldness is your behavior born out of belief. And it's what we see many people in the Bible model early on in the church. After Jesus, has, Jesus left, his disciples were bold in what they believed, what they did, and how they prayed, and in how they talked to others about God. And that's what we're covering in this series. We see all of this in the book of Acts, and we're studying this book in hopes of us having some of those same bold feelings and actions. Because don't you want that? Don't you want that? Don't you want to be bold in what you believe? Or at least have your belief be something that makes you want to be bold with. Don't you want to have confidence to be bold in your actions, your words, your prayers, and in, and in how you talk about God with others? So much so that it impacts the world positively for God. I know I do, and I hope you do too. Because honestly, uh, we're studying this because in today's world, if I'm being honest for a second here, it's hard to know. It's hard to know when we should be bold. It's hard to know when we should stand up for something for God or when we're just being judgmental or prejudiced or ignorant or not understanding or not loving. My hope is after this series, you know clearly when and how you can be bold for God. For today, we're looking at this time where Peter and John these disciples of Jesus, they make some bold statements, but we learn why. And that's what today's topic is on, is why you can and should have faith of boldness today. And it's in the first few chapters of Acts. That's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, a little context about Acts that you need to know is it's written by a guy named Luke. And Luke also wrote the book called Luke in the Bible. Uh, Luke is a gospel or an account of Jesus' life. But Luke, what he was for a profession was he was a physician, so he's very detail-oriented, and Acts is this detail-oriented time right after Jesus died. After Jesus died, he's resurrected, and then what Jesus does is he commissions his people to go. And what it says is, they will, or you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. This is Jesus speaking. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is commissioning people, and he says, you will re receive this kind of unknown, at least to them, power of God when I leave, is what Jesus says, and it will give them power in the future. So let's just hold on to that thought for a second, and we're going to skip to chapter 2. In chapter 2 of Acts, it talks about the celebration, this day of Pentecost, where thousands of people from all over come to one place, different backgrounds, different languages, different ethnicities, different upbringings, and the disciples, the people Jesus has spoke to, they get out of this prayer meeting, still unsure about what this whole Holy Spirit thing is, and they see thousands of people here at this celebration. And the disciples start sharing who Jesus is in languages that people understand that they didn't know. They are speaking in tongues of languages to these other people in the audience, in a sense. Well, people are blown away by this and are understanding this news about Jesus in their own language, and they're embracing it. It's amazing. And I want to just think, like, if that happened today, it'd be so hard to, like, imagine, right? Because if today if that happened, it'd still be amazing. Like, whoa. Did you know Spanish? You know, like, they would be like, that's crazy. Like, how did that happen? But I don't think it'd have the same response as it did then. We'd probably be completely weirded out by it, right? Which is similar to what the minority of the people there thought as well. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. 
So Peter addresses the crowd and he says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk who are speaking in tongues, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I guess a little side tip. Nine is too early to drink. A lot. A little Bible tip maybe you needed today. I don't know. But something amazing just happened. People are understanding the gospel in their own language. And people are joking about it. They're making fun of it. They're questioning it and kind of just trying to write it off as something not that special. I want to pause there and ask you, have you been there before? Like something amazing happened and you're kind of shocked, you're kind of blown away by it, but one person kind of doubts it or pokes fun at it or, or makes a joke about it. What do you do? What do you do in that situation? Well, what Peter does is he doubles down in his boldness. He starts preaching. See what he says. It says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Yikes, right? He's going for it. He's going for it. And he shares next of how people should believe in Jesus and why they should believe in Jesus. And at the end of his sermon, it says, with many other words, which is a side note that Peter got long-winded. He's a pastor. He's gotten long-winded. Who does that, right? He pleads with them and he says, save yourself from this corrupt generation, as in do things God's ways, and those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to God's kingdom that day. 3,000. That's amazing. Even amidst the pushback. I want to go a little bit further in Acts for a second here. Can you handle a little bit more? What happens next is in chapter 3. It says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said this, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. I just want to pause there for a second. When I was reading this, I was thinking and kind of laughing a little bit. I was thinking, he's like, Peter and John have just been following Jesus for like three years straight with zero extra clothes, zero like money, nothing. And I'm picturing Peter like being like, Do you see what we look like right now? We have nothing. We're in scrubs. That's what I'm picturing is what he's going to say to him. But what he says is this. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. A miracle happens, right? And then boldness returns and they start preaching again about Jesus to the onlookers, the people that are seeing what's going on, so much so that they're causing a disruption in the entire city or the entire village. And it says in chapter 4, the official seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. No one was available to like work with them. I don't know, they must have had like no staff that day. But anyways, they put him in jail until the next day. 
But many who heard the message of what they preached believed. And the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. It just grew significantly more. Even though jail is the outcome, it's an amazing result. To wrap things up for our scripture today, what happens next is this. The Sadducees, or the religious leaders who rejected Jesus and this whole idea of anyone being resurrected, they take Peter and John and they try to intimidate them and question them. They had Peter, it says, and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Did you heal this man? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom, don't miss this part, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, and this man stands before you healed. Bold, right? He's saying, you crucified Jesus, but it's him who saves this man. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred amongst themselves. And they end up just releasing them because they have nothing against them. I know that's a lot of scripture for today all at once. But did you see the boldness? Did you see the boldness? Even though their enemies, even, or even their enemies see the boldness of them. Those were bold strategies, Cotton, is what I want to say to them. That was a bold strategy, Peter. Don't you want to have boldness like that? Or at least have the ability to have a behavior of confidence or courage or the willingness to take a risk for God because of what you believe about him. In this story, we can see some amazing boldness. And in that boldness, I think we can see a few reasons why these disciples were so bold and how they can be so bold, but also learn from them so that we can have similar actions as well. The first thing I think that we can learn from them is this. Acknowledge the power available to you. These disciples, they just saw God. They just saw God. They saw Jesus beat death, resurrected, and then they've been personally commissioned by Jesus to go and be his witnesses. And not only that, they have the Holy Spirit is what he says, which is the part of God, this helper who lives with believers and followers of Jesus. They have this power with them. When you know you have this power with you, you have a newfound confidence. A little fun fact about me is um, I've done martial arts for about 30 years of my life. I've done a ton of training. And my friends growing up love that fact. They love that fact because they felt they had this extra power with them uh, when I was with them because they would try to talk smack or a big game at a bar or a field, start maybe a fight because they're like, hey, we got Aaron with us. It's all good. And they felt they had this secret weapon, and I'm like, oh, that's a pretty big dude. You know, like, I'm a little nervous. And they were picturing me to being able to do, like, this stuff if it ever happened to them. Like, oh, Aaron will just take care of it. It's fine. Aaron's got it. We got this special power. Aaron, he's got skills. Little do they know, a ninja is really good at disappearing in situations like that. 
Now, although that is not what God necessarily wants you to think of him and his Holy Spirit, the secret weapon in a sense, so don't get crazy ideas about certain fights or arguments for no reason at all, but we can see through the disciples' example, boldness comes from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, from you having a connection to a person who is above all things. Now, I like to get really real here at church and ask, what does that really mean? To have the Holy Spirit with you. What does that mean? It sounds kind of hokey in a sense. It maybe even sounds kind of spooky. A Holy Spirit, right? If you haven't been around the church world, you're maybe confused by that. So let me just nerd out with you for like one minute on this. Romans 8 9, it says this. You, and he's talking to Christians here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. The Holy Spirit is part of God that lives within you when you accept Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, you don't have salvation. It's something that comes to you the moment you say you want to follow Jesus and it lives within you. And the moment you accept God, you have the Holy Spirit with you. You get the mark of the Holy Spirit, which is a sense of God's ways, this presence, this this conscience that's of God's ways. But then there's another level of the Holy Spirit as Scripture describes it as being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in Acts 2.4. What being filled by the Holy Spirit is, is, is when you are empowered by the Spirit, empowered to be obedient, to witness, to share the gospel, to say no to temptation, to say no to sin, to say no to hard things, to say yes to the right things, to stand up for things, to love someone when it's hard, to be bold in your faith. Those are moments where you are many times prompted and filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit or submitting to the Spirit's control, it's this ongoing opportunity in the Christian walk, but it comes and goes. It's this ongoing pursuit that you as a Christian that need to pursue and go after. Your life should be in pursuit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's something you have to personally choose to pursue and choose to submit to when you feel it. And many of us, myself included, are resistant to this at times. We sometimes choose what we want over the prompting maybe the Spirit is prompting us. We sometimes choose what we want when we're nervous or we're tempted a different direction. What it feels like to be empowered by the Spirit is, is you know when you have that tug to stop and help that person? That's usually the Holy Spirit. When you have that, that tug where you just feel you need to sit and listen because this person's in need of something, that's usually the Holy Spirit. When you feel that you need to apologize, even though you don't totally understand why, that's usually the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When you know you should say something or do something in particular for God, it's usually the Holy Spirit. When you have this urge to invite or share your faith to this person, even though you hate the idea of talking to someone about faith, that's usually the Holy Spirit. So with that, you get boldness when you both acknowledge the power of Jesus and you submit to the Spirit's control. You know that that's with you. Before we go to the next reason of why we can be bold for God, I just feel there, there's maybe like a person here or two that have never experienced boldness from God, and they want it. They want that Spirit to, to prompt them to do things with boldness. They want confidence God offers. If that's you, tell that to God. 
tell that to God. Say in your head and your heart, you want God. That you know you need his way. You know you've done wrong against him. You've done wrong uh, against other people. But you know you can be forgiven by him when you accept him. And you want the boldness to do his ways. And you're going to follow him. Say that to him. Honestly, if you just say that in your head and your heart, you're on your journey to be a Christian. It doesn't have to be some fancy prayer. It's just a moment where you acknowledge God's, God and your need for his forgiveness. But it's this moment where you've just opened yourself up, if you said that, to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that should bring you boldness. So the second thing, though, that we can, we can experience boldness with is reflect on what God has done in your life. Peter, if you don't know this, he wasn't known for being bold in the Bible. That is not his like, normal trait. He's this guy who's kind of seen as a doubter. What happens is he, he's, there's a time where Peter gets to walk on water with Jesus, and he starts thinking because he doubts. There, he's this guy who, uh, when Jesus gets in custody, people notice him, and they're like, that's that guy who is with Jesus. Let's get him. And Peter denies it three times. Scripture even alludes to it being a little child that calls him out, and he denies it. Like, come on, dude. It's a little child. Yet he's learned. He's learned and he keeps going. And he, as you saw in Acts, he does the miraculous. He somehow has courage to preach. He feels he can heal a man and he actually does. And he tells the officials and the leaders to their, the, the bold truth. And he figuratively like sticks a knife in and says, you did this. He's bold. Where did that come from? If you know Peter's past, you know it's not his natural state of living. It's God. It's God working in him. Peter experienced countless amazing things, and when you add it up, he honestly should have this boldness to share it. What about you? What about you? Where have you experienced some amazing things from God? You might even be a non-Christian in the room right now, but you might be sensing you've experienced some amazing things, and it's just too coincidental to be chalked up as chance. For you, you maybe have realized that you have been, there have just been too many coincidences for you to end up where you are today. Maybe there are too many ways people have influenced your life to not see God having a divine orchestration of it. Maybe God has placed too many people in your life for you not to see that he instigated it. There are too many breakthroughs you've had that had to have some help from the divine. God wants to use every single one of us, whether we see ourselves as failures or not. And if you can get over the fact that you are here today because not just you, but because God has impacted your life, you're going to have a boldness. You can have a boldness from your experience with God. And that boldness, it should give you boldness for future actions through God, through your words, through your prayers, and through the way you witness to others. If you've never thought about life that way before, Take a moment for a second. Reflect on what God has done in your life. See the boldness of your life and how God has impacted that and tell your story. No one can refute your story and what God has done in, that, in your life. It's bold because it's God influence, not because it's you. If we don't see that while we're here, because that, that we're here today because of some influence of God, we're blind to how greatly we've been blessed by God. As a parent of a young child, uh, I'm just blown away sometimes how many times my daughter doesn't injure herself daily. Anybody relate with me on that as a parent? All right, yeah. 
Have you ever seen like a child like about to fall or about to crash and then it just works out and they don't seriously get hurt? It happens so often. Like, I, I kind of like this, right? Like something happens and a tumble, but it's okay. Even parents sometimes. He's okay. <laughs> Yikes. I don't know how that happens. There are so many of these daily that happen as a parent. Anybody relates? Okay, maybe it's just me that's a bad parent. But although sometimes these things, like bad things actually do happen to children, sometimes failures do happen or falls do happen, if you look at the numbers statistically or percentage of non-injuries, it should make you bold to think that God is orchestrating and caring for you. Because I'm guessing some of you were dumber than these kids and did some dumber things and you're still here. You turned out all right. Like there was some divine protection. After seeing this and thinking about this and you still aren't bold in how God has worked through you personally, for you, some of you aren't going to like this next statement I say. If you can't see it, it's probably because you think of yourself too highly. Unfortunately, I get it all too well personally. This is a struggle I, I'm not super excited about sharing with you because it's something I think a lot of pastors get flack on. I struggle with this guy, myself. And this guy on Facebook, and this guy on Instagram, and this guy who leads this church. This is all me. I find myself being narcissistic sometimes, or seeing myself as too highly. I want the credit. I want the credit for all my home life success. I want the credit for my financial success. I want, to, I want the, the credit for where my life is at, where this church is at even at times. It's so easy for me to be like, that was such a good idea of me. That was amazing. Dang, no one's doing it this good. Who's better? No one. And I sense it. I sense it. I start having cockiness. I start having boldness in my own ability, my smarts, my ideas, my ways. I even will be like, well, maybe that idea like, or that concept isn't in the Bible because God didn't have me around at that time. Yikes, right? Now, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, right? Because we aren't to think of ourselves too highly. Romans 12, 3, is, it talks a little bit about this. This is where it starts. It says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. This is Paul speaking. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in the, your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. It's wrong, and I know it's wrong, to rely on my own, my own abilities, to think it's only me. My personal strength will not sustain anything God doesn't want to happen. It's true. So when I think about God's influence in my life, through others, through his promptings, through the Holy Spirit, I just know there are too many things in my favor that had to be God, that had to be God-influenced. And to be honest with you, speaking about it right now and just thinking about it, if it's only on me, that it only, whatever happens is only on me, it's too heavy. 
That's too heavy to carry. It's too scary to the point where my boldness, it would become fake because I would be scared inside as I'd start to realize everything depends on me. That is not the way it is, which is why this all points of boldness needing to be about what I can do, or not, not pointing to what I can do, but what about what God can do through me and through others. Do you need to start thinking that way about yourself? Do you ever think of yourself more highly than you ought? If you change your thinking and give God the credit, how much more bold do you think you'll be? How much more bold do you think you will be in future actions for God? Significantly, right? Significantly. Where do you need to stop thinking of yourself too highly, but think of the boldness you can have because of God? Off of that, on a similar course, you can have boldness in what you've seen done in others' lives. Reflect on what God has done in others, and it will give you boldness. If you look around and just reflect today what's happened in the Christian church, the overall Christian church everywhere and through Jesus, you should be amazed. You should honestly be amazed. In Acts alone, we saw people like, were amazed by the Holy Spirit and were given the ability to witness to others in languages they didn't know. We were able to see that people were able to teach and preach and share with no training about Jesus. We saw people healing people to witness to others. We're always real here. And I'm not going to lie, as a pastor, I wish we saw more of those miracles today. I wish we saw more of those miracles we read about in the Bible. I really do. And I'm sure you do too. I don't know why it's not something we see happen often like it was then. But when I really look at what's happening through Jesus and others today, there are significant miracles still that give me boldness to continue to do what I do as a Christian, to share who Jesus is to others, to continue to have boldness in following God's ways. Even here, here at just this church, there's a few, uh, like we had six people get baptized last weekend. It was amazing, kind of a huge celebration. Um, But these are some of the comments people wrote about how God has changed them, some of the people that got baptized. I don't think I would have grown the way I have if I didn't seek him in my brokenness. I felt like a failure. He gave me faith in the future. Now I feel like I don't need to know all of life's answers. I've decided to put my faith in his plan. I know I am far from perfect, but I know he loves me unconditionally. That's amazing. Those are four different people. That's amazing for to hear those comments. And that's not it for here. At this church alone, like, I, I've gotten emails about these specific things. I know specific people have shared with me, people have overcome addictions. People have, have had their marriage saved because they put God first. People have started a relationship with Jesus when they never thought they would ever consider Jesus. People have community and friends of other Christians when they felt so alone, but they found it through, through, through Christ. People attend church that would never have thought they would attend church. God is moving in people. Look around and see it, and it will give you boldness. Are you in a place to hear and experience some of those things? Like, are you at church consistently? Are you in a life group? Are you in community with other Christians? Are you around people who are attempting to make life changes through Jesus? If not, do it. Do it, because it should give you boldness. It should give you boldness, which leads to our last thing. To be bold, like they were in Acts, be in a position to see new change happen for yourself and for others. Peter, who we talked about, he kept going. He kept going. He had some amazing experiences, and his boldness and his faith kept growing because he kept going 
and kept doing. He healed more people. He witnessed to more people. He served more people. Are you doing that? Are you doing that today? Are you putting yourself in a position for God to grow your boldness in him through your personal actions? Are you putting yourself in a position for God to grow your boldness in him by seeing and being in places where you see some others have that experience? How you do that is challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. What's something you want to see God do in your life? For you, maybe it's just witness and invite a friend to church. Maybe that's like the bold thing you need to do. But if, let's say it happens, you're going to have this newfound boldness for yourself of doing it again. Maybe it's just saying you're a Christian somewhere. somewhere. Like, and that seems really weird to do and it's, it seems awkward, but maybe that's the boldness you need to do. Maybe it's becoming a leader of ministry. Maybe it's getting through the Bible, even though you hate reading, but it's this boldness that you need inside so that you can be bold for God. Maybe it's sharing your faith, even though you have this public fear of sharing your faith with someone. Maybe it's a specific challenge, like repairing a relationship or doing things a particular way as God would want. Maybe it has nothing to do with you, but maybe it's about seeing others have life change happen. Maybe you need to socialize with others and listen to some of their stories on how God has changed them. Maybe you need to be in a life group and hear their stories. Maybe you need to serve somewhere and see how people are being changed by God. Maybe you need to be with addicts or those hurting or those in need and see how they make life changes for God. Be one who helps someone grow. What's it for you to put yourself in a position to see change happen? As I wrap up, I want to ask you, where or what can you do today to grow in your boldness for God? Is it acknowledge the power available to you through God? Is it reflecting on what God has done in your life? Is it reflecting on what God has done in others? Or is it being in a position to see change happen for either yourself or for others? I'm going to pray that we act with boldness as a church through our individual actions, and through our actions as a church. If you want God to remind you to be bold in one of these ways this week, I'm going to pray and ask for him to remind me. And if you want that personally for yourself, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us an example of boldness. God, I just pray that you have us be bold. Have us find confidence in who you are and what you've done. And God, I just pray that we reflect on the fact that you've done some amazing things in our lives. You've orchestrated some amazing things for us. And God, I just pray that we acknowledge that and have boldness because of that. And God, I pray that you have us see some of the boldness through others and have us learn from that so that we can continue to be more bold for you. Remind us of how to be bold this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.